0: Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the Preaching Ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. If you don't know that song. My, that song is called "The Love of God." That we had that song played at our wedding. That was a, uh, um, and I'm sure she wasn't playing it because of that. But uh, I love that song. There's a there's a verse in there that says this. Actually, it was a verse. the the The, the man who wrote that song wrote the first two chapter or t- first two verses of the song. And back then, it wasn't a wasn't a thing. You didn't. You didn't publish a song with only two verses. You had to have a third verse to complete it, and he couldn't come up with a third verse. And the this, this song is called "The Love of God." It's all about the, the wonderful love of God and what God has done for us. And he couldn't come up with a third verse, and so he put it up on a shelf. And he was going through a uh, he was going through a a, um, a tour of a European country where Christians had been persecuted before he, uh, way before his time, so walking through the archives of this place where Christians had been uh, imprisoned for their faith. They were placed in, in uh, and they were, they were deemed insane for believing that Jesus was God and that, that he came and died and was buried and rose from the dead for us. They were placed in them, and uh, he was walking through this place where Christians had been tortured, Christians had been uh, abused, and he saw in one of the cells something edged on the walls. And the words he went as he got close, he read these words: "Could we with ink the oceans fill, or were the skies and were the skies of parchment made?" were every stalk on earth a quill, every stalk of corn on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade. The verse says, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean completely dry, nor could the scrolls contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. He said, there, there's my third verse. Took it home, put it uh, in as a third verse, and the love of God was a published song. Wonderful song. The The chorus says, Oh, love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels song. It's a wonderful, wonderful song, and I'm glad we sang it tonight because it talks about our great God. And if you believe we have a great God, say amen. Say this with me. We have a great God. Say, I'm a child of God. Say, I can do anything. Some of you didn't act like that. So it's one more time. I can do anything that God wants me to. I cannot be defeated because I'm His child. He has a purpose for me. He wants me to succeed. We need to say things like that, and we need to believe things like that, because that's what the word of God is all about. This morning, I or this evening, uh, I'm going to talk about this Jesus, our example, and then we're going to talk about the power of unbelief, the power of unbelief. We're going to look at a little passage that we went over very quickly last week, and I decided today, listen, I want to go into this in detail. Uh, uh, the power of unbelief. As we have gotten, in, and if you don't have a copy of the notes, I hope you've got a copy of the notes, uh, and you'll follow along. So we have gone through this study in the book of Mark, While I am, when I'm here on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the fact that Jesus is our example, and we've watched him do several things. John the Baptist introduced us to him in John chapter 1, And then we see the things that Jesus did. In in John chapter 1, he defeats the devil. He calls four of his disciples. He casts demons out of the synagogue. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. She gets up and serves them. He preaches the gospel and he casts out devils. He's doing amazing, amazing work. He heals the lepers. He, He heals a paralyzed man who stands up and walks and amazes everyone. He calls a tax collector to follow him. He eats and fellowships with sinners, and he gets criticized for that. He ignores the Sabbath, and he gets criticized for the Sabbath. He didn't ignore it. He ignored the traditions of the Sabbath, not the law of the Sabbath. He then confronts the religious hypocrites with their hypocrisy, and then he calls 12 apostles to follow him. And he's establishing a work. Everything he does to this point, when we get to this point in the story, has just been good. People have been sick that were healed. People that couldn't walk are now walking. People who were blind that now can see. People whose hands were withered are now able to move. He has done miraculous, wonderful things. But there are some people that hate him. Because they want what he has, and they don't know how to give it. Everything he's done is good. No fault can be found with him whatsoever. But the religious leaders of the day were looking to find fault with him, and they could not accept him. They rejected him. And the reason they did, we know this, according to to Proverbs 13.10, the only reason they rejected him was because of their pride. The Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. So they are rejecting him. I want you to look in verse 22. The Bible says, the scribes, after Jesus is doing all this good stuff, the scribes, and these were people who studied Old Testament law and, and uh, had, had probably a lot of the Old Testament memorized, uh, and were... were were there, what they did for work was they wrote out the Old Testament. There was no printing presses. They wrote the Old Testament out so people would have copies of the Old Testament. They were scribes. They were people who were familiar with the law. They come down hearing about all this good stuff that Jesus is doing, and they can't find anything good to say about him. The Bible says in verse 22, and the scribes which came down from Jerusalem, said, He hath Beelzebub. That's just another name for Satan. And by the prince of the devils, he casteth out devils. He is is demon-controlled. He's devil-controlled. He's devil-controlled. The scribes rejected Jesus and blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Let's read the story. The Bible says, "...and he called them unto him, and he said unto them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan?" So these people say he's demon-possessed, and he says, come over here, let me ask you a question. How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that is, if Satan's kingdom is divided against a king, his own kingdom then it cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. If Satan is fighting himself, then we don't have anything to worry about because uh, he's going to have an end. So you shouldn't be worrying about me. Then he says in verse 27, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil the house. Jesus said, listen, the only way you can go into a man who's strong, go into his house, is you've got to take care of the man first. And the idea is, I've taken care of Satan, that's why he has no effect. Satan has been bound by me. That's why I could cast out the demons, because I bound the strong man. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. Now he says, you saw what I've done, you know what I've done, you're aware of what I've done, and you know that only someone stronger than Satan can throw out Satan. And you know the only person that can do that is God himself. But you're rejecting that. You have rejected that. And he says, because, he says I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the Son of Man, and blasphemies wherewith they soever they shall blaspheme. But, he says, he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost... Hath never forgiveness. That's an amazing, amazing statement. But he that hath blasphemed—by the, the word, by the way, the word blaspheme just means to speak evil, to say bad things about. You can talk bad about anybody you want or anything you want, and it'll be forgiven. But if you're speaking bad, you say bad things about the Holy Ghost. He's not going to be forgiven. But he he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. And then he says, because because they said, he hath an unclean spirit. They said about Jesus, knowing that Jesus had done what he had done in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, they said what you did is not of God, what you did was was under the power of Satan, and they attributed the work of God to the work of Satan. They made an absolute statement of rejection of truth and a a statement of total unbelief. It's amazing, the power of unbelief. We're going to look at that this evening. Before we do, let's pray. Father, I pray you teach us from your word, I pray, Father, we'll see this whole passage of Scripture, understand it. And I pray that when we leave here, when we leave here, we'll understand what we say and what we do shows what we believe and affects us every day in very powerful ways. God, communicate that truth to us. As we examine your word and examine this study tonight, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want you to see here is this, that the scribes rejected Jesus and blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Now, it's very important because you need to understand that the evidence that Jesus was Messiah was overwhelming. It was absolutely overwhelming. Just in what we have looked at in the first two chapters of of, uh, Mark, show us that Jesus obviously, and, would, and anybody in his day would have obviously known that he was the Messiah. First of all, there was John the Baptist. John the Baptist, uh, in chapter 1, John the Baptist declared that he was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah. The Bible says, as it is written, this is, this is uh, the very beginning of the book, As it was written in the prophets, Behold, I will send a messenger. The prophets said John was coming before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. There was a forerunner to Jesus named John the Baptist, who said he's coming, and that forerunner was prophesied by Isaiah and by uh, by the prophets. The Old Testament prophets said he was coming. So when he came, the announcement was there. This was evidence that this was the Messiah. Nicodemus, one of the rulers of the Jews, well, in fact. The indication is that he was the highest ruler of the Jews. He said this in John chapter 3, and this is in your notes. The Bible says, Therefore a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Now listen to these words. This is from the leader of... Of the Sanhedrin, in Jesus' time, the ruler, well-respected ruler, he said, Rabbi, he called him master or teacher, we know. He doesn't say we think. He said we know that thou art a teacher come from God. And when he said we, he didn't say I know. He said we know. As the Pharisees, we know that, that you're a teacher come from God. Why? For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. In another place, the Pharisees are meeting together and saying, we, what can we do to fight him? He's doing all these miracles. His miracles were acknowledged, but they were rejected. They said, we refuse to believe it. Messengers that were sent by the the Herodians and the Pharisees to go and see Jesus. They said the same thing. The messengers said in in Mark chapter 12 and verse 14, and when, when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man. They knew who he was. They absolutely knew who he was. It's amazing, listen. And I want you to grab this point. We can know all about Jesus and act and live as though he doesn't really mean what he says. We can know that we're his children and then live as though we're paupers. We can know that we're his children and live as though he doesn't exist. We can know that he says he's going to watch over us and guard us and protect us and then live as though that's not true. And we can let things come out of our mouth that say to, to everyone around us and to ourselves that, that we are just barely making it through life. And I want you to see that tonight. These Pharisees knew who he was, but their, their unbelief caused them to be condemned his works the Bible said testifies that he was God John in John Jesus said this but I have greater witnesses than that of John John the Baptist came and he testified of me you heard him uh, Uh, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. He says, listen, the works, there's John the Baptist, there's the works that I do, and there's the Father himself that testify that I am the Son of God, that I am the Messiah. The people around him all knew that he was the, the common person. The wasn't, person wasn't trying to intellectually analyze everything. The Bible says in John seven thirty one. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man had done? How in the world could anybody do more than what Jesus had done? That was a legitimate question. Here's the deal. They saw the proof, and yet they rejected it. In John 15 the Bible says if I had done among them if I had not done Jesus is speaking if I had not done among them the works which none other man did they had not sinned but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father these people had totally and completely seen the work of God, known the work of God. They were right there on the edge. They could have received Christ at any time, but they chose to reject the truth. With that in mind, Jesus corrects their false statements by stating certain facts. He says, first of all, he asks the question, how can Satan cast out Satan? You're accusing me of casting out demons to the power of Satan. Why in the world would Satan cast out Satan? And the answer is that would be absolutely foolish. If you're trying to overcome something, why would you, over, why would you fight against yourself? Christians fight against themselves. We, as human beings, fight against ourselves. Satan doesn't fight against Satan. His kingdom, he says, would be divided. That's just the way it would be. The kingdom would be divided, and, and, and because of that, he would lose. Jesus has, the, he goes on to say, has the power to bind Satan and cast, out any, uh, cast him out of any person. We need to understand, and I, I love this, this is just sort of a side note. There's so many side things that you could go into and spend an hour and a half or two hours just talking about. But we don't have time to do that. Satan, we see here, has the power to do anything. Remember this, when Satan is coming at you, when demons are coming at you, you need to remember this, that Satan cannot touch you unless God allows him, that Satan is nothing but the unwilling servant of Jehovah God. You, have, he, you cannot be touched by him unless God allows that. And he would only do it if he had a specific reason. Jesus did this for those who, those who believe. He, he, Jesus uh, corrects the false statements and wants, wants, wants people to understand, look, what he's saying, what they're saying is absolutely ludicrous. Satan casting out Satan. That is absolutely not right. So then, Jesus... Taught to blaspheme, and this is this is where we're focusing tonight. Jesus taught to blaspheme the Holy Ghost was unforgivable. People always ask about the unpardonable sin. Is there such a thing as an unpardonable sin? Have I committed the unpardonable sin? Uh, uh, did did what what is exactly the unpardonable sin? Well Jesus defines it here and, and, and we'll see it. Uh, first of all, you need to understand they knew the truth. They knew the truth. Again, we went through all these other verses just to show you they knew the truth. And though they knew the truth, they rejected the truth. They said, uh, they, they, they would not have said it, but it was obvious the truth was right in front of them and they said, and they just rejected it. Unlike Pilate, Pilate was standing in the presence of of Jesus, and, and genuinely asked, because he was spiritually blind, he, he genuinely asked, what is truth? They knew the truth and rejected the truth, and they became reprobate. What is a reprobate? A reprobate is a person who can no longer distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. And so they start calling that which is wrong, right, and that which is right. Wrong, And they begin to hate the right because they believe the right is wrong. And they get adamantly, they they get adamant and fight against the right. The atheist, the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. He's become senseless. He's unable to, uh, he's unable to even make judgments based on what he sees and what he hears. it's, It's like his senses are dead. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Then when he's saying it, what does he do? He fights against the God he denies. If there was no God, and the atheist was was sincere, if there was no God, he would not have to fight against what there is not. You don't fight against nothing. The fact that the atheist so adamantly fights against God is proof that he believes God. And we need to understand that. They become reprobate. They, became, they come to a point where they couldn't determine between what is right and wrong. How could they go to the point of taking Jesus and, running, and call, calling for his crucifixion? Because they chose, to, they chose unbelief. And when they did, they received damnation. And that's where Jesus takes us. Now, what I want you to see is this tonight, and we only have a few minutes, so I'm going pretty quickly tonight, and I'm not really taking a lot of questions, but I want you to see this. What exactly is this this blasphemy of uh, of the Holy Spirit? Deliberate, it is the same as deliberate unbelief. Deliberate unbelief is parallel to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. In your notes, I wrote this, that the person who comes to the edge of salvation and then says, no, that can't be true. Maybe you've seen this in your life. I can remember sitting in my office one day. There was a man who I'd been talking to, and he was getting right with God, and he'd gotten saved, and he was, he was, his wife and him were at odds with each other. And he came for several weeks and was getting right. And he went and he humbled himself before his wife. And and he began to change his lifestyle. He got his wife to to agree to come into counseling with my wife and I. So they came into counseling. And he was sitting at the end of the table. And I told him. I said, when when she comes in, I'm going to tell her about the Lord. I'm going to talk to her about getting saved. I don't want you to say... Anything, or at least refrain from a whole lot of talk, because I don't want her to resist the truth, because she's resisting you. See if if you've got a if you've got a uh, if you get somebody who's pushing 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 on you, and you've been fighting against them, and now and 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 then you hear truth, and they start pushing that truth, they'll reject the truth because the one who's pushing the truth on them. That's why you can't shove the gospel down somebody's throat. So she came in, and we began to talk. We talked, and, and I, I told her about how bad he was and how I agreed with all of the things that she said about him, and I won her confidence in talking to her. And, and I wasn't just agreeing with her. He had told me the stuff that he had done, and I was agreeing with her and him that yeah, he had been a jerk. And she was listening. She was listening. Then I began to share with her why he had changed. That he, that uh, I I talked to her about Jesus and how Jesus died for her, was buried and rose from the dead. And that we're all sinners. And the reason he acted the way he did is because he was a sinner. And that, that we're all sinners. And because we're sinners, none of us deserve to go to heaven. And that we have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and ask Jesus to save us. All of us have to. All of us have to admit that we're sinners and we have to call on Jesus and ask him to save us. And that's the only way anybody can get saved. I said, I, as I was talking to her, she, her, her eyes went from just being mean and defensive to saying, yeah. And she's starting to hear it and she was receiving truth. And I said, now, I said, uh, I said, is what I'm saying making sense? She said, yeah, I think I understand. And she started shaking her head like this, and, uh, and, uh, and then I, I started talking again, and then he interrupted. At the end of the table, she said, I said, I'd like to talk to you. I was about to lead her to Christ, and I said, does that make sense? And she said, yeah, that makes sense. And he said, see, that's what I've been trying to tell you. That's what I've been trying to tell you. That's what I'm saying. And when that happened, she stiffened up and said, no, no, that can't be. That can't be. And I said, I said well, just calm down for a minute. And, and, and from that point on, she hardened herself against the truth and would not receive the truth because someone she was in opposition with was pushing that truth. And she resisted it. And she walked out of that office lost and as far as I know she never got saved Uh, I want you to understand that we can come to a point where we hear truth we understand truth and get to the edge and then walk away and I believe the Bible teaches that the person who comes that's by the way what these Pharisees had done they'd come they'd heard the truth but their pride would not allow allow them to accept it The person who comes to the edge of of salvation and then says no, that can't be true or rejects the truth for some other reason cannot be returned to a point of repentance. In your notes you'll see the passage in Hebrews that says this, people ask about this verse all the time. Does this mean a person can lose their salvation? No, this means that a person that is right at the point of getting saved and makes a decision, "Ah, I'm not going to receive that. Doesn't well, will not have another chance. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 says, For it is impossible for those who were once... The, the word impossible is amazing. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. God said, we come to that point where you are right there and you're about to receive Christ and all of those that were in, uh, that the writer of Hebrews was writing to, he's saying, listen, you're right there. You're right there. Receive it or if you reject it, you're not going to have an opportunity again. It's not, as though, it's not as though you don't hear the truth and you haven't had the opportunity. Don't let Satan push it away. Once a person's mind has become reprobate, turning them back is something that can only happen by divine intervention. And that's what's taken place here in Mark chapter 3. And here... God says he refuses to do it. You've got the truth. You've been handed the truth. And you're saying that this truth is from the devil. And you know it's not from the devil. You just won't receive it. Then he says, there's no hope. You, you're, you have committed the unpardonable. Listen, there are many times there in relationships... Where after years of rejection, there is no more feeling, no desire for reconciliation. He was rejected, and the passion for a relationship with his unfaithful companion was done. It's over. I don't know how many times I've sat in my office with a couple, and the feelings are past. Their relationship is just a matter of fact. But the relationship is over. It may be a legally binding relationship, but the way it was with the religious leaders of Israel and Jehovah God, he was rejected, and the passion for a relationship with his unfaithful companion was done. It's over. It's over. And and Israel, the nation of Israel, had gotten to that point. When we're looking at Mark, Mark chapter 3 into Mark chapter 4, there's a turning that takes place here. Jesus has been offering himself as Messiah, offering himself as Messiah. He is speaking very plain words, but from this point on, they've rejected him. And so you'll note this: that he begins to speak in parables to them, and all he does is speak in parables to them. And his disciples come to him, and they say, "Why are you only speaking in parables?" And he says, "He says the reason I'm speaking them to them in parables is because it's been given to you to understand the truths of the kingdom, but they've rejected it, and it's not being offered to them anymore." They had committed the unpardonable sin. They had said that that which was of God was not of God. This is absolutely total and complete rejection of truth. It is unbelief. To deny the obvious work of the Holy Spirit and to say no to God is unbelief. And we need to understand that. So somebody said, what is then, the? what is the... Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is unbelief. Look in your notes. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 13. The Bible says this, And when he was come into his own country, this is after this took place, he comes into to Capernaum or into Galilee. The Bible says, And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogues insomuch that they were astonished. And they said, Whence has this man this wisdom? And these mighty works. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and, and uh, Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? So Jesus had brothers and sisters. And they knew his father. And they knew his mother. And they were saying, oh, wait a minute, this isn't anything special. This is just Jesus, the carpenter's kid. Whence then hath this man these things? And they were offended by him. They thought, who does he think he is? Some big shot or something? But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. I said Capernaum, but he's actually back in Nazareth where this is taking place. And in his, he's not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And listen to these words. And he did not many mighty works there because... Of their unbelief. This whole thing of unbelief hinders the work of God. Unbelief causes a lost person not to get saved. Unbelief hinders a Christian from being what God wants him to be. So deny to deny the obvious work of the Holy Spirit and to say no to God is unbelief. The one work required by Jesus to work is unbelief that is for the one work required by jesus to do a work in your life is belief the the pharisees came to jesus and they said unto him what shall we do that we might in we might do the works of god jesus answered and said unto them this is the work of god okay this is the one thing that's required period this is the work of god that you believe on him whom he hath sent that's it that's it Believe me, because unbelief is to deny what the Holy Spirit is doing. Believe me, God will do anything for, for, well, I'm sorry, will not do anything for those who will not believe. Now, in a general sense, he does a lot for us, whether we're in belief or not. You're breathing air because he lets you breathe. Uh, he, you're walking because he lets you walk. Uh, you're seeing sunshine tomorrow because the sun, he's allowing the sun to shine, and you live in Las Vegas. And when it rains, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So there's certain things, general things that God does for anything, but he's not going to do anything special for anyone who does does not believe. The Bible says this in Mark chapter th- uh, nine: A man came and said, "Would you heal my son?" And Jesus said unto him, "If thou canst believe." All things are possible to him that believeth. God wants you to believe him. God wants, you, God wants the lost to believe him for salvation. He wants you to believe him, for him to work miracles in your life, for him to do any kind of work in your life. Now I want you to see this that your mouth reveals what's in your heart. Say, so well, I believe, I believe. What does your mouth reveal about you? You say, "I believe God. I believe that God is a, is a powerful being. I believe that God takes care of everything. We had you say a lot of positive things uh, today when we, when we started. What, what does your mouth reveal about you? In Luke chapter six and verse 45, the Bible says, "A good man, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart, bringeth forth, this is Jesus saying, speaking, bringeth forth that which is good." Hey, if you're a good man, then you'll bring forth good things out of your mouth. Things that edify, things that build up, things that that lift up, things that are positive. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. So if my heart is evil, evil things are going to come out, and what, I, what comes out of my mouth is going to affect me. And if I'm a good man, if I'm, doing, if I'm allowing good things to come, then the good things will come out of my mouth, and it'll affect me. Not only will it affect me, it'll affect everybody around me. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I get so tired of hearing Christians who t- who use wrong phrases I mean, uh, w- 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 hey, would you be willing? oh i i I just can't oh, I feel so bad I can't stand that i can't I can't stand that oh I, I hate it I hate that what why don't why don't Why, why don't, why don't you? I'm so angry. Oh, I get so mad. I'm just so tired. Oh, I'm so tired. Why don't people listen? Maybe because you haven't got anything to say. Oh, you can't change things. You go up to somebody and you say, "How you doing?" Okay, I guess. Why? I said to a lady one time years ago, she said to me, how are you doing, Dave? I said, I'm, 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 I was a teenager. She said, how are you doing? I said, I guess I'm fine under the circumstances. And she said, what are you doing under there? And I thought, I don't know. I just, that's what I said because I heard somebody else say it. We say things like, well, how you doing? I'm alive. Whew. The other day I talked to somebody and said, how you doing? They said, well, I'm vertical. <laughs> I hope for a little while you'll be vertical. Uh, uh, well, I'm getting by. Why? Why not do better than that? Why not, instead of saying I can't, every time the word I can't comes into your mind, say, yes, I can. I can I can. I can do this. I can handle it. It's going to be 110 degrees. I can handle it. I can do this. I can do summer. I have what I... I I have... The abilities God's given me this. Look what God's given me. No, I don't feel bad. I feel great. Don't you have any pain? Yes. Pain means I'm alive. Isn't it wonderful to be alive? Hey, uh, I can't stand that. Oh, I love. I, listen, listen, I'm going to change that. How about that instead of I, I can't stand that. Instead of I hate. How about, man, I love it. I love the opportunity to affect change. Can you say amen to that? Listen, what we need to do is get on the... On the positive side of life and I'm not just talking the power of positive thinking I'm just saying listen every time we walk around and we say hey I can't or I won't oh I'm so tired I don't know what I'm going to do I wake up in the morning and I say oh I'm just tired I'm just drained oh if that's the way you start the day your day is going to be miserable what you say affects your day change what comes out of your mouth and you 'll change your day, change what comes out of your mouth instead of complaining about what people do, tell them how wonderful they are instead of p- p- finding people 's faults change the, change your mouth I, listen, I wrote this this morning or the, this morning yes change change uh, what comes out of your mouth and you 'll change your day. If you change your day you 'll change your life if you change your life you 'll change others and 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 if you change others, they'll change the world. It all starts with you and me just believing God. And I'm telling you, a lot of Christians walk around in unbelief. They walk around in despair, like, oh my goodness, look what's going on with China, and Biden doesn't have a brain, and uh, look what's going on with, and we just, all oh, the terrible things, and we focus on them. You, Some of you should take your phones and throw them away, and just get in the Word of God, and let the Word of God tell you how wonderful things are, because you serve the God that created this, and He's taking repossession of this world, just moment by moment, day by day, and you're listening to a bunch of garbage on the television, on on the iPads, on the iPhones, and you're not grabbing a hold of the fact that you're a child of God and this world belongs to you and me. Because we are His. And it's part of our inheritance. And we need to get out of this negativity because I want you to understand it's the same unbelief that caused the Pharisees and the scribes to come down and say look at that Jesus he must be of the devil what he's doing is demonic it's terrible it was their unbelief their unbelief that caused them to blaspheme the work of the Holy Spirit listen God will not do anything for those who lead others into disbelief there's a story in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 13, of Elymas, the sor- sorcerer. A man named Sergius Paulus was about to get saved, and Elymas comes to him and says, and discourages him from it. In verse, in verse uh, uh, 8 of Acts chapter 13, it says, But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And Oh, you can't just believe all this stuff that... Uh, uh, that Saul is telling you, then Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon him and said, Oh, thou full of subtlety and mischief. Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him in the midst of of darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. He he just determined he wasn't going to believe, and others weren't going to believe, and he led them in unbelief. I want you to understand God's judgment fell on him. When we live this attitude of depression and downer and unbelief, I want you to know that our discouragement discourages others, and God hates that. Satan loves it. I want you to see this lastly unbelief is sin, it's sin. It is the same sin as the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 14 and verse 23, the Bible says, He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. God tells us that if we live in unbelief, we are living in sin. Every time we say, I can't, or I don't, or no, I can't, or I won't. I, whenever we're doing that, we are in a, a we are in this." whatever you want to call it, the sin of negativity, unbelief. It's a sin to keep lost people. It's a sin that keeps lost people from getting saved. Lost people don't get saved because they don't believe. Unbelief. They say, no, that can't, it can't be that easy. It just can't be that easy. They come, as we saw, to the edge. They look over. They see what God's doing in other people's life, but they say, huh, can't be. It can't be I sat back there in the back my office was back in this area sat with a, a man and we had we were going through a period like we are right now where week after week after week people were getting saved people were getting baptized it was really neat we just moved into this building we were probably six months into the building and it was just so neat what God was doing and it was obvious that God was working I, 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 I began to talk to him and he said he said oh yeah you say God is working. This is what he said. He said, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I want you to understand there were people that were living in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that just could not see God, though he was right in front of their eyes. Man, I said, You don't see this? It wasn't too long, he was gone. And as far as I know, he's never been back in church. His family fell apart. What a horrible thing. Unbelief is sin, and it's it's the, the sin that keeps lost people from getting saved. It's the sin that keeps Christians from seeing God's blessing. Again, in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. We can believe God. I listened to a preacher just for a few moments uh, the other day and he, he said, man, when I first got saved and I found out that you could just, if, that, that Jesus said, if you believe God, you you can move mountains. He said, I went into my room. He said, I got alone with God. And he said, I thought, if I can move mountains, I should be able to move something in this room. And I, he said, I, he said, I really believed God and I was just going to trust God. And he said, he said, now, the Bible talks a whole lot about motives and understanding why, we're, why we do what we do. And, but I loved the fact that he said, as a brand-new Christian, I sat there, I said, okay. okay, maybe I can't move that book. But I got this pen, and I put the pen in the middle of the table. I said, just move the pen. I'm just going to move the pen. I'm going to believe God to move the pen. Well, that's not what God's saying here. He's very simply saying this, that we need to believe, and if the mountain needs to be moved, to accomplish the work of God, the mountain will be moved. Whatever is in your way, God will get out of the way if you just believe him. It is the sin that will keep you from experience, experiencing God's best in your life. Unbelief is sin. So, he gives all of this. He gives us this truth. And then I want you to see the end of, cha- of the chapter and i believe that god I, I believe jesus orchestrates everything that's going on in his life so this is what happens verse 31 it says then came there then there there came then his brethren and his mother and standing without sent unto him calling him and the multitude sat about him and they said unto him behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek thee It's a perfect, perfect time for Jesus to make a point. And he answered them saying, Who is my mother? Or who is my brethren? And he looked round about them which sat about him. These were the ones that believed him. These were the ones that were receiving him. These are the ones that heard him. He he looked around them and he said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. We experience the family of God. You are brought into the family through belief and you experience the family of God when you are born again into the family of God. Whosoever shall do the will of, my, of God the same as my brother, my sister, and my mother. See, this whole passage is, is Jesus rebuking... <laughs> these people because of their unbelief they did not believe god and that caused them to speak evil about the work that jesus was doing when they knew that that work was done by the holy spirit of god and god said don't blaspheme me i want to encourage you as a christian tonight most most likely if you're here tonight you're a christian you've received jesus christ as your lord and savior You've asked him to give you eternal life. Why don't you live as though you believe God? Don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit of God with your, with your unbelief. Believe God. Refuse to allow to come out of your mouth things that say, "I don't really believe God. I don't really believe God." Believe God and live like a child of God. Believe that He will take care of you. Confess your worry to Him as sin. Confess your doubt as sin. Surrender to Him daily. Ask Him to take care of you and use you for His glory and believe that He will. You know what will happen? Lost people will get saved as you you share the gospel with them. The believer, as a believer, you'll be empowered to live the victorious Christian life. And it's just that simple. You and I make the choice every day. Are we going to live in victory? Are we going to sing, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul? Are we going to say, Are we going to just sing, uh, Are we going to sing like the Rolling Stones did? I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try and I try. Or are we going to just sing, Thank you, Lord, and trust the Lord, and praise the Lord? That should be who we are. That's who Jesus was, and that's why he was rejected and Jesus wants us to understand. And I, I plead with you, live determining I'm not going to be that person. You, read over those notes over and over this week and determine you're going to be in on the victory side of life because that's where God wants you and I to dwell. Father, help us to take the truth that we've heard tonight Father, help us to to not just be hearers, but doers of your word. Help us to determine that we're not going to be the defeated people that Satan wants us to be. Help us not to be as those Sadducees, living in unbelief. Oh, the power of unbelief, but the greater power of belief. Help us to trust you and believe you. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.